Hello and welcome to the Sports Grab Podcast. My name is Ryan Walker and with me, as always, is the bona fide Ruben Williams. How are you, mate? G'day, Ryan. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure doing the podcast as per usual. Things are going great down the lawn. It's a, uh, we're out of lockdown now. People are down at the beach. People are playing beach cricket at the moment. It's a holidays are going on. So uh, it's a wonderful time at the moment. Uh, so lucky to be out of lockdown. But how are you? Uh, going well, going well. Uh, you know, it's just another Tuesday, which we love. Uh, and yeah, everything's We're going well. Rolling into one at the moment. They are a bit, you know, it's it's just week after week after week. Uh, yeah. Not a lot I changing. Think I think that's probably shown by the fact that you've just labelled Wednesday a Tuesday. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Gee, we're all good here at HQ, folks. Uh, I'm officially calling Wednesdays Tuesdays. And, you know, that's when you know that, uh, you know, we're a little bit over everything at the moment. So, uh, all right, we'll move on, Rubes, because we better, because there's something obviously wrong with me. Um, we'll start off, of course, with a message from our good friends at Deakin, where every single course is backed by industry experts. So you can be confident you'll get the job you want with a degree that employers want. Deakin University Progressive Real World Learning. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friends at Sports Where I Am, uh, who are basically the kings of finding any sport, no matter where you are in the mm. world. So give yourself a memorable summer to look forward to and head to sportswhereiam.com to find all your favourite sports Plus, use the code SPORTSGRAD for 5% off your tickets, which is a an epic deal, if, you, if you're mm. asking me. Great platform. It is. It's unreal. Um, if you want to learn more about us, who we are, um, or want to ask us any questions, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. You can find a link to do so in the show notes. So today, Rubes, we have Kimberly Finesse, mm. who is no stranger to us, a good friend of the show. Uh, Kim has started working in law firms before she got into sport, um, before she quickly realised that, hey, sport's the place to be. And we met her at Cricket Australia, where she really found her passion for sports working in our people and culture team. She's now the GM of people and culture at Netball Australia, and she's an absolute superstar. So it was great to chat to her. What did you love the most, mate? Because it was an absolutely unreal chat. Uh, and I loved it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Kimbers is, is a superstar and is very connected to her job and absolutely loves developing people. So she's a perfect person to ask all about how do I get into the sports industry? How do I improve my cover letters? That sort of thing. And um, I love that she kind of started before the application process. Like she placed a lot of importance on actually finding your purpose in the sports industry before you go further. And she told us about a very simple method that you can use to find your purpose. If this isn't something you've figured out yet, but it is a step that you should take before you even put a pen down to write your cover letter. Yeah, love it. Love the purpose bit. She nailed that. Um, I just loved her going through what not to do on a cover letter. I think cover letters are one of those things where everyone just wants to nail it and it's, you know, some people struggle with it. And I think she Mm. just basically said, don't do this and don't do that. And I think you're, you're okay. She's so, seen a fair few. Yeah, and she's seen a fair few. There are a few shockers she mentioned. <laughs> uh, but the good thing is we now know what not to put 
in a cover letter. So that that's yeah. stood out to me. Absolutely. And then she also spoke about, you know, the flip side of that. What, what are the good things she should show? Um, and spoke about how there's like a really fine balance between being keen and also being professional. You want to put yourself out there. You want to be bold. You want to show what you can do, but you also want to be professional. And so she kind of really helped label what does keen and professional look like on a cover letter. Yeah. Awesome. We'll grab a pen. Enjoy the chat with Kimberly Finnett. Kimbers, welcome to the Sports Code podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. Lovely to be here. Kimberly, there's a lot of people who like travel around between different codes. And so it's great to kind of finally cross paths with you again. We uh, obviously work together at Cricket Australia and now you're at Netball Australia. So I'm sure that cycle will continue to uh, to spin and we'll, uh, who knows where we'll see you next. But Netball's obviously got a big future with you there. It does. Uh, Netball's got a big future in general, I think. We've got a lot of very exciting things coming up, but it's always nice to touch base with people that you've worked with. Nice to see your face again. Unfortunately, not in person just yet, but nice to see you both. Yes. Yeah, we couldn't quite get the studio going uh, this lockdown, but there's big plans for a studio, Rubes, I believe. Mm, uh, yep. Right. Sports so HQ is, is well underway. Yeah. The green yeah. room will have champagne and treats and... Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm envisioning yeah. a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was actually watching... I was watching AFL... Sorry, listening, but you can obviously watch it at the same time, is AFL Trade Radio. And it's a great radio... Well, it's not really a station. It's just something AFL does over the off-season, but it's great this time of year. As you're working, you can just listen to the latest trade rumours. And they had a serious setup going... So I think Ruben, we've got a bit of uh, you know a bit of work to do in terms we, of the. Studio. We might have to uh, start a Pinterest board and get some inspiration from different different yeah. publications. <laughs> More than happy to help. I'll add to that for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kim's, I thought we might um, uh, start to um, to set a bit of a foundation for this conversation. I wanted to kind of touch on the topic of purpose because when we previously mm-hmm. spoke, you mentioned. Uh, about how obvious it is when you're speaking to someone who is connected to their purpose and when you're not, uh, and we're speaking to someone who's not connected to their purpose. And so I was wondering, uh, just to open up, in your opinion, why is this so important? I think in the sports industry specifically, having a purpose and actually connecting to it is so important. Uh, Every company has a purpose. But when you're talking with people who are really passionate about something that they believe in, you can see it in their mannerisms, you can hear it in their voice. And for me, when I'm interviewing a candidate or I'm speaking to a colleague, you and both of you would understand this, sport's about storytelling and you'll feel that connection that they have and sport's about memories. So when you're interviewing someone, the difference between being a really passionate fan or being a really purposeful person who has those memories and has that storytelling, it just shows through in spades. You can see it in their eyes, the tone, uh, the inflection in their voice and their mannerisms, and it it just makes for a more joyful conversation. Yeah, you're so right. I know like whenever people ask me, why did you get started in sport, my face just kind of lights up and I begin telling the story about, how dad and mum took us to the match in in Sydney where soccer is played Uruguay. I'm not sure what your story is, 
Ryan, but um, I could tell that one over and over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I totally agree. I don't really have a an exact story as good as yours, Ruse, but for me, I think if you don't have a if you don't have your purpose sort of worked out in sport, you might struggle to really like get going in it because yeah. it's not your standard nine to five type job. You you've kind of got to figure out why you're there. And you've got to have a certain amount of passion for it because I think, number one, you're not going to earn $2 million doing it each year. Uh, but number two is like you've got to go above and beyond. So I think if, you know, the purpose mm. is kind of essential, to be honest, otherwise you might feel a little bit lost at times. Yeah. I think it's really important to understand the company that you're going to work for as well. Um, understanding what their purpose and their vision is. Mm. If it doesn't align with yours, don't take the job. You don't want to work uh, at whether it be AFL, cricket, netball, wherever it may be, if your values and your purpose are not aligned. And I think that's really important. People need to identify what that purpose is. And that can change. Your purpose can change three, four, five times throughout your lifetime. But as long as you identify with it and you connect with it, and that way when you do go into a job in an industry that you love, in a sport that you love, if your purpose and your vision and your values are aligned to that of the company and you're not just saying that to get your foot in the door, you're going to enjoy your employee experience 10 times more than if it doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important because I think, Ryan, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but you know, sport doesn't have the same sort of in extrinsic uh, things that they can use to, put, to, use to incentivize you. Like there's not mm -hmm. a stack of money in sport compared to other industries. So there's got to be something that is, you know, your guiding light or North Star mm -hmm. that you are attached to and compelled to follow that is going to will you through a career in sport. Kim, is what, what you just mentioned there about having your values and purpose match up to where you're going to work. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one because, uh, you know, everybody does their research on companies or sporting organizations before they go and interview for them. Um, how crucial do you think, and in, in your experience of interviewing people, how crucial is it that they've done that research on the values of, say, your tennis, your cricket, AFL, and does that really shine through? It does, yeah. Some of the best candidates I've interviewed have actually flipped the interview around and started asking me questions. And I love it yeah. when candidates do that. It shows that they've put the time and effort into your company and that they're invested in not just the interview process but wanting to work somewhere. And if they can tell a story about their values and how that matches up to the values of the company, they're being authentic. And when someone's authentic, you know that they're going to be the right cultural fit. It's it's so important and people dismiss it a lot, either that or they'll go and they'll do their research and they'll have a list of interview interview questions, but they'll never have the courage to actually put them forward. They'll just sit back and listen to what the interviewer is talking to them about. They, they won't put forth their ideas. They won't do anything apart from read that list. Oh, I read your values are X, Y, and Z. And there's nothing further to it. Yeah. If you're going to do your research, make sure you've got a story to wrap around it that connects you to the person that's interviewing you. Yeah. Now, I want to know someone as a human, not just a candidate, because if you know them as a human being, you get a connection with them and you want to progress them in that process. Awesome. 
Rubes, how's your throat? I know you've been unwell this week, so you've had to go on mute there for a little bit just to clear it. So I just want to make sure you're all good over yeah, there. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for checking in on me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fantastic. As long as you're not inflexible, Ruben. Yeah. No, no, no I'm totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, great points there. And I love the point around wrapping stories around points you mm. need to raise or, you know, the research you've done, which I think is absolutely crucial to any interview. Um, so if I don't have my purpose worked out yet, uh, so I'm, I'm fresh to finding out my purpose, mm -hmm. how would you suggest getting started to, to understand my purpose? Think about your memories. Think about the why. I think one of the most important things, and I talk to people uh, throughout the induction process about this, is why do you want to work in sport? Now, it's not for the money. It's not for the accolades. Uh, there are some great benefits and you have some great colleagues. I mean, the people that work in sport, I mean, you got to say, we're pretty okay. Well, here so, we are. We're okay. We're here for a reason, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's finding that pathway to what your purpose is. And I think a lot of people who come straight out of school, they think they know what that purpose is. And that's going to evolve in the first two, three years. And that's completely fine. I say to um, our deacon interns when they come in, you know, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? Um, do, you, do you actually know what you want? And they say, I want to do X, Y, and Z. I go, great, why? And they stop and they have to think about it. Whereas others will say, well, when I was younger, my dad or my friend or my cousin or, you know, they'll tell you about an experience. And usually your memories and your experience are what create that purpose for you and they give you that drive. Yeah. I love that you're able to like pinpoint the exact kind of catalyst for a purpose. And it got, it got me thinking like, yeah. um, like I'm, I've never felt so connected to work before in my life doing what I'm doing with sports grad. And that all started out because I was a uni student who had no idea how to get into the sports industry and basically went out there to try and solve my own problem and asked people mm -hmm. such as yourself, how do I get into sport and just continued to follow that and follow that and eventually got into cricket yeah. Australia and then figured out a way to apply what I'd learned to other people and help them do the same thing. And when I started out, my purpose was like just get into sport and create amazing experiences yeah. in sport and i found my purpose changed because of that personal experience um and so yeah it, it's funny kind of thinking back how it is something so simple to yourself like a personal experience that is a catalyst for the whole thing and yeah. the other week we had dr dom condo who's a nutritionist at the geelong cats come on and she spoke about her um, unfortunate per, uh, personal experience with mm -hmm. an eating disorder sparked her amazing career in nutrition. Um, and I believe you've also been able to turn an unfortunate uh, personal circumstance into something more positive as well. I was wondering if you might be able to touch on the uh, motivations behind your own purpose. Yeah. Um, earlier on in my 20s, I worked for law firms. That was That was my thought. Now, I wanted to work for law firms. I wanted to work in corporate. And I had a friend in my late 20s, and I've had multiple friends who have suffered with mental illness. And um, he was an incredible person, and he struggled quite severely with depression. And I had known over the latter years 
that he was struggling with work. You know, he was being bullied, he was being harassed because there wasn't a lot of knowledge, there wasn't a lot of support for men's mental health. And this was only 15, 16 years ago and unfortunately he took his own life. And I didn't realise for about six months, but after about six months of thinking about it and trying to understand it, for me I got this, it wasn't anger, I don't think. I think it was more of a real pure drive to make sure that... I could do something that would help people have a great employee experience where they felt safe, they felt supported, they felt that, you know, psychologically as well as physically, they could come to work and love doing what they do. So for me, that became, that really defined my purpose. And that's where I set my head to, I want to be the person that develops experiences for people. I want to be the person that coaches the managers to be able to create further experiences for people. So um, for me, I think there's many catalysts in everybody's lives and they come at different times of everyone's lives. You know, I was, I'm going to give away my age here, but I was 30 when this happened. So for me, I was on this different path and that happened and I went, you know what, I'm I'm on a path of about 50% of the way there, but I'm going to have to dig deep if I want to do what I want to do. And you can change direction. It's um, a lot of people are really scared to change. And I think when something happens in your life, whether it's um, something tragic or you lose someone in your life or it happens to you personally, there's two types of people. There are those people that are so sad and so almost broken that they force themselves to make really bold choices and be really courageous and they'll step forward in the direction and really succeed whereas others will need that support network around them. And both of them are okay, but those are the moments that will help you define and drive you to what your purpose is. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It's, 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 it's unfortunate that it takes something mm. like that to set you off, but um, it's, yeah. it's great that you've been able to turn that to good. And thank you for sharing that as well. I know that's deeply personal. Um, I hope people listening to this can kind of, perhaps think about what's their own catalyst that can then spark a meaningful career for them too. Yeah. I think um, our lives are so intertwined with personal and work. And I feel as though I, I share this with my team members. Um, I think that sharing stories like that will have other people start thinking about what's happened in my life, that where I've had a right turn in my career or I've had a right turn in my personal life, and that was a catalyst. Um, so mm. I think sharing stories like that is really important. Yeah. Mm. Jeez, yeah, uh, I totally agree. It's like, and sometimes it can be negative or positive, you know, like yeah. um, there's all kind of things that, that happens. But, yeah, that's a, it's a really nice story that you've told there, Kim, so I appreciate that. Well, one of the things I, um, I love about the sort of the purpose topic is how you said about memories. Yeah. Um, and one of my one of my good memories of when we first started at CA was that during the onboarding we had to bring in a photo of what cricket has meant to yep, us. I remember this, <laughs> and we probably we're probably in the same room, Rubes, to be honest, when we did this. But I think so. <laughs> um, was, it, was it down at one two eight? In it was down the, at one two eight, the long meeting room. Yeah, what, what it's called, the yep. field or the boundary? The boundary, I think yep. it was called. Yeah, and that <laughs> great friend of the show, Nathan Bauer, was running the session. <laughs> Um, 
and it was just kind of like everyone went around the room and you just had this this photo and the night before i was like shit mum like send me a photo of me playing backyard cricket because that was the first memory i had and you went around the circle and everyone had just something that meant a lot to them that yeah. brought them to cricket and how they came to be there and it was probably for me i was just like you know this isn't just like work like this is kind of like people want to be there because they have that passion inside them mm-hmm. and they've had these experiences and this is why we all work in sport so just that was like a moment yeah. for me where i was like yeah people don't just rock up here and want to work here There's yeah actually- and i can assure you that ryan those those people that were in the room with you felt more connected with you after that 100 percent, yeah and, and like we had to go around and tell a story about the photo yeah. i remember i remember mine was like it wasn't emotional but i was just like i had to talk about it was a photo of me playing backyard cricket with my brother and my mates up the road who i'd been mates with since day dot and at that time i'd been in melbourne for like six months and i was probably i'd only just decided to stay here and i was like shit like it's kind of weird that i'm now just moving down this path and i'm leaving that behind but it it just kind of it all came out in everyone so it was it was awesome yeah that's that's actually um and you've just pulled out one of my memories for that i a couple of times i did those sessions for bowser and i had a young gentleman and his name has just escaped me and his photograph just it floored me and his story floored me he he had a photograph of his parents fridge back in india and on it was a child's writing that when i grow up i'm going to work for cricket australia and that picture was only recent but that that child's writing was his and it was about 20 years old and here he was in induction at his dream mm. job and i remember talking to him probably about six weeks later and he said oh, i've got something for you and he brought his phone out and he brought up a photograph and there was that fridge and that child's writing which was his and next to it was a photograph of his first pay advice oh my god so good that is yeah. incredible Things, things like that, and I might be a bit soppy here, but things like that just give me chills because yeah. you know, that he's known his purpose for so long and he's so passionate about it and he's so proud. Now, yeah. there's no arrogance whatsoever. It was a young kid with a dream and he made mm. that happen. No, And yeah. things like that, they just give me chills, which is why I want to work in the industry that I work in, right? Because mm. storytelling and those memories, it just it evokes so much emotion. Mm. It's, it's reminded me of uh, Nicola McDermott, the Australian high jumper who uh, famously diaries a lot and uh, does a lot of drawing. I think there's a um, one of her drawings from when she was five or six years old spoke about how I, when I grow up, I want to go to the Olympic Games and jump two metres or something. And she's held on to that for, for 20 years. And sure enough, in Tokyo, she's won a silver medal yeah. at the Olympic Games. And, you know, yeah. it's just heartwarming to see some of those ambitions come true yeah and that's what people love about sport that's why they connect to sport right Mm. everyone's got a story about your friend your cousin someone you've seen on tv yeah brings out the emotion in people which is why people love it Mm. nothing against the you know the ey's of the world and the big financial firms but not quite the there's same not, there's not many you letters that. on fridges yeah. that are saying i'm gonna be the best accountant ever or i'm gonna be the you know yeah. best financial 
worker well, of all time. Well, but, they're all, they're all listening to this yeah. trying to figure out how do I do that. But in they are, <laughs> or they're listening yeah, they're to this. They're going to bring in a saying, photograph of a calculator they used when yeah. they were. <laughs> or they're they're going to whiff out those letters and send them through to us for. So well, they might just we might be, yeah. They might yeah. reconsider their memories after this and realize the sport one's a meaningful too. Yeah, you just Absolutely. doubled my applications for the next six months. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kim, is when uh, when you were at our beloved CA, and we've spoken a lot about CA so far, I believe a, a cover letter came across your desk <laughs> that started with the following words. I'm going to tell you why I deserve to wear a baggy green. Yeah, which is pretty pretty cool. This yeah, person always got the job in one sentence. So, yeah, very that, close. What do you look for in a cover letter? Personality. You know, um, I think you need to stand out from the crowd, but you need to stand out in a manner that shows that you're bold and courageous, but not arrogant. No, yeah. the the flow of this young lady's letter was just beautiful. She she connected with all of the things that tug our heartstrings when we work in sport. So she threw that sentence out there from the get-go. And you know, when when you're sitting back and you're getting applications and there's over a hundred of them, and you read that first line, I refer to your recent advertisement for X, Y, and Z, and they're all exactly the same. All exactly the same. And then I've picked up one, and this young girl is she's I could basically hear her tone with her pointing her finger at me going, I'm going to tell you why I'm going to wear the baggy green. And I went, oh, okay. And I thought, that's really arrogant. And then I went through the rest of the letter and I thought, oh, no, she tugged at my heartstrings. So I had an instant connection to her. She talked about her memories, her family, her roots in the community. And she wove that into the values that Cricket Australia had. So she had this beautiful connection piece. So there was no way I was not going to meet her in person. And I think it's a really fine line when you're writing a cover letter to not be an overeager fan, which no offence against any of our fans, but, you know, you get some letters where it's just all about fandom, which is fantastic, but we also want to know, why, why do you want to create that fandom? Now, why do you want to be a part of this? Why do you want to be a part of history? Why do you want to create memories for kids of the future? So it's a really fine balance, but it's also putting your personality into it so we have that instant connection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've just jogged my memory about the very first sports grade interview I did in the US with a bloke called Jim Kaler, who used to be the senior vice president of sales and marketing for the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> wow. And this is way back in 2017. We're going a long way back. If anyone wants to find this on YouTube, there's a very awkward looking Ruben <laughs> Williams trying to figure out how to do all this stuff. Um, but he said a very similar thing. And the quote I'll never forget is, when we see the super fan coming through the door, we get nervous in a hurry. Yeah. And that is because in the US over here, anywhere in the world, you get so many people, as you say, who just focus on, yeah. I'm going to tell you how much I love the sport. But as you say, it's about <clears throat> why do you want to create an impact in the sport? Because at the end yeah. of the day, there's professional netballers who are going to get paid to play netball. It's not going to be you, but there might yeah. be another way that you can create an impact. Yeah. And I think that's really important for people to understand. And you can see through it. Pardon me. 
<clears throat> you can see through it in a cover letter in the first interview, whether you're screening someone. Um, you can really see the difference between someone who's just a fan and they want to work there so they might get the opportunity to meet someone in a national squad or they might get to go to games or they might get free stuff, which great, but we want someone who is culturally driven to make really impactful change for the future, you know, um, whether it be teenagers or young kids under 10, they're the future of our sport. And we really want to dig into that community aspect and that memory aspect and creating stories for that future generation. And those are the people that you can see when they're talking about it. And it leads back to purpose. They're excited about that. They want to be a part of making that happen. Now, they, they want to be a part of the 2032 Games. So it's, it's a really fine balance to get that right in a cover letter. And I think I would say to anyone, regardless of it's your cover letter or your CV or a screening call, be completely genuine because we we want you to have a personality. We want you to be able to laugh at yourself. You know, we, we want really transparent, genuine people to work with us because they're the best colleagues to have. So it sounds like even before you write a cover letter, figure out what your purpose is because yeah. then you've got the foundations to apply after that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Kim is one of always thing. have to figure it out. You can I would I would really admire and respect someone if they wrote in a cover letter. I'm not quite sure what my purpose is, but I want to work with you, so maybe I can figure it out along the way. Mm. That's no. that great, great advice. You're being, you're being authentic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't have to have the answers for everything. I think um knowing that you want to find your purpose, that's a big step. Mm. Yeah. And that that would um appeal greatly to, to someone such as yourself who helps people find their purpose. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I hope I haven't tripled the applications coming to you, Kimbis. Yeah, thanks. I'm just <laughs> going to hang up now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one, other, one other thing you mentioned um, when we chatted previously is about finding that balance between being keen and being professional. Yeah. I'm wondering if uh, you might be able to share some examples of what that looks like specifically yeah i think it, it reverts back to what we were talking about before about having the knowledge not just doing the research so people who are keen will do the research they'll have a list of things about your company or about the people your mm. values your purpose but they don't take that extra step and wrap the story around it that connects them to us and that's, that's a really, really important piece. Um, I recently hired a young gentleman who had no connection to netball whatsoever. However, he, he had done a lot of volunteering. He hadn't had a real job, as he liked to call it, but he's done a lot of volunteering, done a lot of study, and he was finding his way. And he just wanted someone to mentor and support him on that journey. But the passion, he spoke with so much passion and he was putting himself out there to do a lot of free work. And, you know, he, he tugged at my heartstrings because he was so genuine and he was so transparent and there was no arrogance whatsoever. And he now works in my team. Unreal. So, yeah. So the, it sounds like the theme is be genuine. Don't. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't try and 
put a guy something that you're not. Get you a long way. Yeah. I think one of the the biggest mistakes people, especially at an entry level, make is saying what you think they want you to say. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of mistakes that I see come through the door, and that is um, don't be a multiple applier. You know, we'll yeah. we'll put out ten job ads over a month, and the same person will apply for every single one of them, and not once talk about uh, the requirements for the role. They won't talk about the skill set. They're well underqualified for a executive general manager role as they're an entry level, but they're just seeing our brand and going, yep, apply, 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 apply. Um, it'll give yourself a bad name. Whilst it's showing that you're really keen, it's not professional in any way, shape or form. You know, if you if you want to do a professional application, show your personality in your cover letter, and then in your CV, hit those bullet points. You know, those bullet points are being in the advert. We we want to know what your capabilities are, and give us an example of when you've used those. Something that you're really proud of. What are your achievements? Don't make it war and peace. Um, save some of the good stuff. I say this to people all the time. Save some of that good stuff for when you get to interview. You don't have to make it war and peace because when you get to interview, you want to wow them and you want them walking away wanting to know more about you. I think that's a, a big wake-up call for a lot of people who would just apply for literally every vacant yeah. position possible. Happens yeah. a lot. It's also, I, I feel like people do this, but they, sit, they basically make a cover letter template yeah, they do. And they just drop, <laughs> they just drop in sort of the information that yeah. that job wants or needs. Yeah. And that's probably where they're missing the authentic piece because yeah. one job is not the same as the other and you're just copying in and you just want to work for them, but you're yeah. not actually addressing the actual role and the why. I think our friend, yeah. I think our friend Daniel Simons from Golf Australia actually received an application meant for Nepal Australia when we, when we spoke to yeah. him. They just forgot yeah. to change the sport. <laughs> Possibly. I, I get that quite a fair bit. Um, <laughs> Matt, who works for me, who was the one I was talking about before, every now and then he'll flick an application to me and he'll say, do you know anyone called Sally or Greg? Or And they've forgotten to change the deer whoever oh no oh no <laughs> and there's it happens more often than not and a lot of the times and here's a good tip for anybody who has linkedin and is sending out cvs make sure your linkedin matches your cv yep and read your cover letter three or four times before you send it now check your cv i mean in this day and age grammatical errors are just yeah for, yeah. for someone of my era to see things spelt really incorrectly or you've got yeah. the wrong job title in there or the wrong company name, I just look at that and go, you don't care. Mm. You don't care. And, and when they're in a pile of 100 plus, it only takes one little mistake yeah. for you to say, no, nope, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. I did, um, I did a session with some Deakin students a few months back and they were absolutely fabulous. I'll, you know, if, if anyone's ever listening from Deakin, I give them absolute props. They're great, great students. We, we do love Deakin. We've uh, a uh, good, big great fan of Deakin. Yep. Big fan the, of young Scott. Yeah, love the, Scott. Yeah, um, uh, major sponsor of the podcast, Deakin, is Kimbers. So uh, perfect. Our good yeah. friends give at Deakin give us a lot of support. Yeah. yeah. Deakin, um, um, yeah, I'm a huge fan, big admirer of Deakin and Scott and all the work that they do. 
and they've got um, a group of students that I did a webinar with one night and we were going back and forth and it was basically an open forum. They could ask me anything they wanted. And um, we were chatting throughout the night and I said to them, you know, we were talking about being bold in your CV and some of the mistakes that people make. And I had said I was I was giving some coaching to someone once and they said, here, this is my CV that I've updated and I've been bold. And I opened it up and they had back highlighted, you know, that really bright yellow that the tradies wear. <laughs> so they'd coloured the background in bright yellow because I said to them, make it stand out, make it bold. <laughs> and... This young guy's gone, this is what I've done. I'm going to stand out now. And I went, you're going to give someone cataracts. <laughs> That's a little bit too bold. Need to Ooh. need to reel it back just a little bit. That's so, pretty um, bold. Yeah, yeah, pretty bold. Pretty bold. Um, we've spoken a lot about the, the not-to-dos. Well, some to-dos and some not-to-dos. But yeah. what, what are the, some of the biggest shockers that you've had in your time that you've seen? Outside of the, the guy who did the cataracts one. Ooh. Um, oh, gosh. There's there's a few, but they're not very PC. I probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably shouldn't say them. Um, wearing inappropriate clothing to an interview, um, yeah. as in highly inappropriate. Yeah, right. Um, oh. Were they taking the piss or were they serious? No, no, <laughs> no. Um, sending inappropriate emails after the interview. As oh, in, after um, they rejected? No, after the first interview to try and get to a second interview. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And I might just add that none of these were during uh, working in the sports industry. They were prior. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's there's been some there's been some absolute shockers. I think, I think one of the the big ones is when you're being screened by anyone, regardless of industry. So you get a phone call and you're having a very brief chat to see whether you get to the first interview. Be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you're out in public and you have people swearing and carrying on, or you're out with your mates, donate to your phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um I tried to do a a screening many many years ago with a young gentleman who um had been made redundant and he was out with his friends at the pub. And I said to him, "How about I give you a call back?" And there was lots of swearing and carrying on and then he passed the phone around to his mates to give him a referee. <laughs> no. <God. laughs> there's yeah. We'll pass. Yeah, there's um yeah, there's there's not really a fine line between appropriate and inappropriate. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, yeah. pretty blatant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, there, well, there you go. go. <laughs> I reckon I reckon you could basically you could talk for hours on that kind of stuff. Like there'd be that many, I would imagine. Mm. It'd be there's good. a lot that I really can't say right yeah. now. Yeah, I think it's not. probably <laughs> probably something to take offline. We'll, yeah. we'll pick them up with you. <laughs> yeah, the wonderful world of HR, hey? <laughs> it's always fun and games. That's it. That people. It's the unexpected, right? You never know how someone's going to react, which makes it so much more interesting. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, 
We might change lanes slightly. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, one thing you mentioned to me previously, and that was around how impressionable grads are when they're coming out of mm-hmm. university and first stepping into a role. Yeah. And when they're in those roles, you've then got the opportunity to, to basically build them up and form their the early stages of their career and their trajectory yeah. after that. And because of that, you spoke about uh, why cultural fit is so important. And so I was yeah. wondering, what are some of the things that indicates good cultural fit to you and how do you determine whether or not someone is a good cultural fit just by reading something like the cover letter? Yeah, I think um, for me, a lot of people are put off by nerves in an interview, um, whether it be over the phone or in person or via Zoom or virtual. I'm not put off by nerves at all um, because I think someone who's nervous is really excited to be given the opportunity to discuss themselves. I think one of the most important things for me when looking at someone culturally for a good fit for any organisation is a really good sense of themselves. So they're confident with who they are. They're not trying to put on a front. They're not trying to be anything that they're not. Um, And it comes back to that authentic piece, right, being genuine. But being confident with who they are without a trace of arrogance is my absolute number one. And you can, you can read that between the lines if, if a cover letter is good. Um, you know, you can, you can have that emotional connection with someone when they talk about family and they talk about the reasons why they're connected to this application. Mm. It's, um, yeah, it can be really quite powerful. Yep. And just a, a, a quick, <laughs> excuse me, a quick one for um, quick people cough. wondering. <laughs> Didn't have time to mute that one. <laughs> um, we'll see if it comes back. Um, just a, a quick point for those who are wondering, how do I, you know, present myself as bold and stand out without sounding arrogant on a cover letter? You start to sound arrogant when you add your own judgment to your experience. So if you say, I am an excellent operations manager. Yeah. You've added your own judgment. But if you yeah. remove your judgment and replace it with numbers, then you're just stating facts. And people are usually smart enough to connect the dots and understand what makes a good person and, and someone who's less impressive. So if you, if you yeah. said, I am an operations manager who has decreased expenses by 25% in the last financial year someone is probably going to pick up that that is a good result without you having to state it. So if you are looking to, you know, fit in culturally um, and you're looking to remove some of that arrogance from your words, just simply remove your own judgment, remove those extra words like very, really, all that sort of stuff um, and add a few numbers in there instead. Yeah, it's taking out those descriptors as Mm. well. I think another really big piece around... um, being genuine is to show your vulnerability. It's okay not to know everything. We hope that you don't know everything. Otherwise, I'm out of a job. The CEO's out of a job. <laughs> no, I think people that show vulnerability just show the fact that they're willing to grow. And that's mm. a really big cultural fit. You know, we, we want people who want to develop, who want to be a part of a team and learn off each other. We want people to collaborate. So asking the right questions and showing that you're vulnerable, is a, it's a really big advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kimbers, I want you to imagine um, you're speaking. <laughs> yeah, why don't I say I'm there? I think I do that a lot, don't I? Um, <laughs> um, um, Makes I me worried to... about what you're going to ask me. 
yeah, it's kind of like, oh, what's what's coming is going to be like kind <laughs> yeah. of on a, on a next level. I've got to kind of prepare you for it. So I'll take out the arm. Okay. I want you to imagine you're speaking to your younger self who desperately wants a job at Netball Australia. What's one thing you would tell her to do to impress the people hiring? Oof. It's an on-the-spot question, isn't it? That's why I said um. I think learn about the people themselves. So I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is, um, and I've just done the um then, is to not understand the people that you're communicating with. For instance, I know that people will send an application and they'll direct it to me when they're actually talking to Matt, who's in an entry-level role, and they're quite dismissive of him, which I find really disrespectful. And for me, that that will, you know, that's part of their character. So I think if I was talking to my younger self, it would be to learn who the people are in the business and learn a little bit about them. So do research, whether it be on the socials or LinkedIn or whatever it may be, and be respectful to absolutely everyone. Ask questions. Um, show that you're interested to every single person in the business. I think you might have a career in AFL commentary, Kimbers, because we spoke to Hamish McLaughlin two weeks ago and he said, learn more about the person who's interviewing yeah. you than they know about you. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the other things that, and I said this to the Deakin students, don't be afraid. In an interview or a screening, you're actually interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you. You know, mm. is netball good enough for you to work at? Is Cricket Australia good enough to have you in their offices? You need to be bold enough to say at the very end of an interview when they say to you, do you have any questions for us? Say, yes, Ruben, why do you get up and come to work here every day? Mm. Because you need to know that. Because if, if you get there and you've got your dream job and it's not everything that you thought it would be, you're going to be disappointed. And I don't want anyone who's disappointed to work with me, so I want people to ask me questions. So if I was interviewing both of you and I was closing out on that, I'd want to say, why do you get up every morning and do what you do? Yeah. It's a great little practical it little is. bit for uh, people to take into the interviews. You, yeah. you know what my favourite question to ask in an interview is? And, Kim, as you can rate this for me, but I, I feel okay. like it's a good one to ask because it, get it actually gives you an insight as to what is happening in the team and that is i i often ask what is what are the biggest challenges that you face in the team at the moment because i, I feel like that gives you that basically tells you like what's it going to be like on day one and what are you going to be facing so if they can tell you what the challenges are it also gives you the opportunity to see where you can improve or fix that problem yeah. That's actually a really good question. I like that one. I would have to hold my tongue and not do the smart-ass reply, excuse me for saying that, and say, oh, you know, no. the biggest challenge is trying to find someone to fill this role. I mean, candidates, <laughs> yeah. terrible, terrible. Um, yeah. But it is, it's a really, it's a really, really good question. Um, I'd be asking them about your roadblocks. You know, yeah. what, what are the road, roadblocks from getting you to be able to deliver the strategy for the team that you've got? Where do you yep. think I can help in that aspect? Hang on a minute. Here's mm. where I can help. Yeah. I feel like it sparks 
like it sparks a conversation at the end of the interview, which you probably want. You know, yeah. you you, mm. you want to talk to them about how you can actually fix what's happening, and it's not just like yeah. them asking you questions, but it, you learn yeah. more from asking them, and it probably shows that you're you're more interested at the same time. So yeah, every time you walk away from an interview, you want to walk away by surprising the person who is interviewing you in one way or another. Yeah. You need to be memorable in a good way, obviously. Absolutely. Find that balance. Dressed appropriately. Dressed appropriately. (laughs) That'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) With with no highlighting. (laughs) No. No. No high vis CVs, please. No. No. Uh, Kimbers, finally. You're going to be welcoming many cover letters in the near future with the Commonwealth Games, the 2027 World Cup, the uh, bid to be an Olympic sport in 2032. Yeah. What can people expect when they work at Netball Australia? I think they're going to expect a really great balance of fun and drive. For us, we're trying to recreate a culture because we've hired a lot of new staff over the last six months and now we want to just make sure that we have people who know how to have fun in the workplace who know how to value and respect their colleagues and I think the biggest piece is for us they want to learn they want to develop they want to help each other so it really is a very much teaming environment And that's this huge growth sport that we're on. We're all, you know, looking at these, as you said before, we've got this huge North Star of the the, um, Olympic Games that we want to get to, but we've got all of these real catalysts along the way and we are excited about that. So to interview people who are also driven and, you know, really excited to be a part of that holistic team environment, really important. Awesome. Got to be able to have a giggle in the workplace. Yeah. As totally you know. Totally agree. Yeah. Can't all yep. be serious, mm-hmm. Sam, I guess. Like you just no. have to kind of be able to have a bit of fun with it. Yeah, with a reason. Do. Yeah. You need to. I think for us it's about, um, and it's very similar to, I would think, most sports industries. Certainly cricket was very similar. Um, being a part of every opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. um, I had a friend of mine who, set herself a goal to not say no for an entire 12 months. And it's dangerous. But it was dangerous. It was very dangerous, but she learned a lot, you know, yeah. obviously pre-COVID. Um, I think that's the kind of attitude that I'm looking for. People who do do you want to be involved in this? We're gonna have a dress up day here. We're gonna do this, this and this. And you get these people like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. That'll be great fun. Mm. They're the people that are inspirational. I have a uh, funny, similar story to that. <laughs> uh, the movie Here Yes Man came out in 2013 and I watched it one night. I was like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Say yes to everything. <laughs> the, ne- the next morning, my mum comes to me and she says, Ruben, I know you've given up playing the trumpet 12 months ago, but the Salvation Army Territorial Youth Band is going to Los Angeles next year to march <laughs> in the Rose Bowl Parade. Do you want to audition for it? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> and, and so not too many people know this about me, but I marched in a 180-piece marching band on Newsday in 2014 in front of a million people wow. and a 90 million broadcast viewership uh, in LA. So, yeah, less of that is say yes to things. We're going to need to see a photograph of that. 
Yeah, oh, it's pretty I'm embarrassing. <laughs> That's like, got to be dug out. And glitter. There's yeah. got to be glitter in there. There was, a, there was a big red coat. There was a hat. <laughs> there was a brass instrument. Anyway. For the yeah, we will locate your mum and get a photo of that, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's a that requirement has to come now. Out. Yeah. Has to come out. That's great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> what right, about you, we'll... Have you not thrown yourself into something uh, like that? And think. said yes remember, to anything that you've regretted? Uh, Doing this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> nah, nah, I remember. So I don't know if this was more of a yes or I was told that I have to do this, but <laughs> when we had the um, the bushfire game at CA and they needed someone to sort of look after sort of getting, um, you know, collecting cash on the day to, to donate. Yeah. And I essentially had to, like, gather up an army of people to go and collect money from, from all the people that were attending the game, and that was just an absolute nightmare. Like, it was had two days' notice to do it, and it was just crazy. Our good friends at Cedar came to the rescue and provided <laughs> us with a few students to help out. But, I mean, it was a nightmare, but it was also very rewarding. So yeah. I, was very, I was, like, stoked to be a part of it by the time it came around but yeah i think i think it was kind of probably a half half it was like half can you half. please do this and i was like uh yeah sure no worries well, i mean I at least it. you weren't wearing tassels and glitter like reuben so yeah no yeah no didn't couldn't get the you, trumpet you save that for the weekends ahead yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be holding on to that photo yep. I think. yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll be finding it it'll be going on our instagram at some point perfect <laughs> Yeah. Perfect. I'll need a copy of that. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, sure. no, that'll, that'll be Absolutely. sent through. It'll be on your desk. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, we might leave it there, Kimbers, but it's been awesome to chat to you um, and has just been great to really nut out what a great CV looks like in an interview. And I think there's so much that we've discussed yeah. tonight that people listening can take on board for the, for the next yeah. interview, the next cover letter that they're writing um, because it's all gold to be honest, and hearing it from you, an expert in the field, um, is absolutely awesome. So thanks so much for joining us and uh, good luck for those Com Games and World Cup bids. Thank you. Here we go. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been uh, entertaining. All righty, Rubes, that was an awesome chat with Kimber's Wow, there's a lot of things that I've learned there about cover letters that I uh, I think everybody who's listening to that can take away and uh, learn from. So what were some things that stood out for you, mate? Yeah, absolutely. I'll be, I'll be referring a few people back to this episode to listen yeah. to time and time again to actually note down, all right, Kimberly said do this, do that. Um, but one of those things is just remove your judgment from your cover letter and add numbers instead because as Kimberly said, uh, Cultural fit is extremely important. And if you're arrogant in your paper, you're not going to be a good cultural fit. So the way to change that is just remove your own judgment and replace with facts and numbers and you'll come across a lot more humble. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the bit around adding your authenticity to your cover letter. I think you know a lot of people get in the trap of just creating a, a template and just putting in or plugging in just the info they need to to fit what the role says and i think the more authenticity that you can put in there 
the more, you know, the hiring manager, people in culture, um, managers, all that kind of thing will understand who you are and, and get to know you more. And that's only, mm. that's, that's a bonus to you uh, before you get to the interview stage. So I'd be adding authenticity, show a bit of, you know, genuine, you know, nature. Mm. Um, that'd be my advice. Yeah, definitely. Like, how, how good is the cover letter referring to? I'm going to tell you why I deserve to wear a, a yeah, baggy green. So good. So, so good. <laughs> um, I, um, I didn't get the job for this, but I submitted a application for an internal role at, at CA. Uh, and on my cover letter was a line about, uh, I think it was relating to work ethic or it was competitiveness or standards I held myself to. And just spoke about the lapse of the tan that I run with this person. And how it doesn't matter if I'm at work or if I'm running around the tan with the person I was applying to, uh, you know, there's a certain standard I still hold myself to. So, you know, if you need an example of what authenticity looks like, you know, go as far as telling them what you do for fitness or whatever you're asking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm now thinking about who that person is, but I won't say. <laughs> um, but then finally, I think one other thing to take away and spend time doing is actually doing a bit of a check on yourself and going back through your own personal archives, your memories and find out what was the moment that sparked your purpose in sport. And I think it's not until you're actually aware of what causes you to find your purpose. And Kimberly gave that great explanation, just starts from memories, go back and have a look at what is the memory that set you on that journey and then tell the story around that. Because yes, it might come out as, I love sport. I'm really passionate about sport because I want to help connect people. But it might have started because you were playing under 10s soccer and it was the first time you've been introduced to team sport and you made 10 new friends in that first year and you've grown up through primary school, high school, now into uni and they're the people who you're still closest to and you want to create those sort of connections for more people in the future. So there's kind of two ways you can tell your story. But if you find that memory it's going to come across a lot more compelling. Love it. A lot of, uh, I think a theme of the episode was probably authenticity, mm. uh, which was great. So um, I loved it. Thanks for listening. Find us on LinkedIn. Uh, let us know any questions you've got. Get in touch. Mm-hmm.